the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. By EDI Travel. It's time for the Don Crow Show, right here from the WAVAFM Passport Auto Group Studios. Now, the Don Crow Show. Don Crow Show is brought to you in part by Passport Auto Group Stores. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, I highly recommend that you go to PassportAuto.com and find Passport's nearest dealership to where you live. And what a great selection to choose from. BMW, Infiniti, Nissan, Toyota, Mazda, Mini. And right now, Passport also has over a 1,000 certified pre-owned vehicles you may want to consider as well. Again, find your nearest dealership at the website PassportAuto.com. And we welcome you to the Monday edition, day after Father's Day of the Don Crow Show. All you dads, granddads, great-granddads out there, I hope you had a wonderful weekend and uh, another year straight ahead. Welcome to this edition of the Don Crow Show. Also delighted to welcome the listening audience of the Bill Bunkley Show on Faith Talk 570 AM, 910 AM, 102.1 FM in Tampa, Florida. Uh, sitting in on behalf of our good friend, Bill Bunkley. And great to have you with us. Coming up today on the show, this hour, in a few minutes, I'll talk with John Hampshire. Uh, John is communications coordinator with the legendary Wycliffe Bible Translators. And he'll join us to talk about an African tribe that, amid war and genocide, is celebrating its very first Bible. And, of course, uh, I'll ask him also to give us kind of a history lesson on this remarkable global ministry that I believe has been uh, in effect for over 75 years. I think last year was their 75th year uh, anniversary of translating God's Word. Uh, Remarkable, uh, remarkable, remarkable ministry and uh, As a matter of fact, uh, we'll learn also what their goal is to actually have a Bible translated into every language on the face of the earth, I think by 2025 is their goal right now. Later this hour, Dr. Mayor Matthews, our good friend, a resident scholar at the Institute for Policy Innovation, explains why uh, all those predictions we've been hearing about, well, the Social Security Trust Fund is going to go broke sooner than we anticipated. (laughs) He says that prediction is way, way, way off the mark and not in a good way. Uh, We'll uh, leave the rest of it uh, for the other shoe to drop when uh, Merrill joins with us next hour. In the next hour, deadly violence continuing to plague the African nation of Nigeria. Horrible atrocities continuing over the last uh, 48 hours or so at the hands of Boko Haram, uh, even against other Muslims. 
uh, but also the tribal Fulani herdsmen in their relentless war against Christians in that country. Uh, Nathan Weiniger of the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative will be here ne- uh, a little later this hour to talk about that. And uh, the violence continues against Christians, of course, as we know, all over the world, folks. And uh, if you're a believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus, it is uh, both our responsibility and our privilege to stand with our brothers and sisters in a couple of ways. I call it heavenly advocacy, by which we pray for them before heaven's throne. We ask God to sustain them in their adversities, to protect them, to give them courage, and to give them whatever they need in their hours of a trial, uh, remembering, as Hebrews says, that we are part of the same one body of Christ. It's not an us and them, it's us together. And then advocacy at the natural level, the horizontal level, the governmental level. Uh, your letters and your comments and your uh, requests and your pleas on behalf of the suffering church to our congressmen, our senators, our president, and so forth, those do make a difference. They do make a difference. And so we want to encourage that as well. We'll talk more about that. Also next hour, one of my most favorite writers and political analysts, man who has a gift with words, <laughs> Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, uh, he's going to join me to talk about his recent column discussing well, in one case, a president who defied the Constitution but sounds so presidential versus uh, one, as Dr. Hansen puts it, who is uh, very law-abiding in his presidency, but he calls him, uh, well, I'm not sure Victor thinks this about him, but certainly others would say a big amen. He calls him the loudmouth from Queens. Uh, you don't need even imagine who he's talking about. But he's also, the larger point of his column, which is uh, in itself quite a title, elites who value mellifluous illegality over crass lawfulness. That's a study in contrast between President Obama and President Trump. But uh, he's going to talk about uh, what their acceptance or non-acceptance actually is saying about millions and millions of Americans who are on either side of uh, those men and their styles of governance, if you will. Don't have time to get into it, but I do want to highlight a Daily Signal column, The Racism of Government Family Planning. And I'm uh, hoping Julie can get Star Parker back on. We're working on it, aren't we? Yes. Uh, New proposed changes in regulations from the Department of Health and Human Services Right, Star Park. Oh, tomorrow. Well, there you go. She, my producer, is always way ahead of me, and that's good. That's very good. Uh, tomorrow at 4.15, we're going to talk about this in depth with Star Parker, and she speaks from a vantage point of experience and knowledge that's firsthand about the profound damage welfare and government programs in general are apt to do against and upon the very people they're trying or allegedly supposed to be helping So she writes, new proposed changes in regulations from the Department of Health and Human Services will, in fact, close the door on using funds from its Title X Family Planning Program for Abortion. Uh, And this is is something many of us have wanted to happen for a long time, but certainly was not happening under the Obama administration. Uh, HHS 
Office of Population Affairs, which administers this program, is a poster child for ill-conceived government policy. She asks, how is it that our, in our nation that cherishes the ideals of human freedom and dignity that we're funding government bureaucrats to advise low-income citizens, almost a quarter of these quote-unquote clients are black, by the way, she notes, about how many children they should bring into the world and when. And she goes on with that, but as I say, we're going to be getting into that in depth tomorrow at 4.15 here on the show. Stay with us. We have a busy afternoon straight ahead. Great to have you with us, as always. I'm Bill Carl, along with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. Imagine a child so weakened from malnutrition, so near the brink of death with starvation, that they cannot cry out for their mother's milk. They cannot turn their head to receive food. They cannot even move, uh, that their body literally is shutting down from hunger. That's really what's happening in so many parts of the world. And thank God for Save the Children stepping in providing ready-to-use therapeutic food and medicines for these children. Uh, you can be a part of that right now. When you call 888-884-4836, your gift of $60 saves a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. Uh, Scott Wilder joins us from Save the Children. Scott, we've talked about the before. Tell us a little bit about the after, after these kids receive this life-giving treatment. Uh, the the after is light and it's life and it's a plump child, a happy child, a healthy child, like every child should be. I mean that that is what your money does today. And I know it's easy for stuff to wash over us. There's stuff that happens here in the news and it washes over me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to shake myself to sort of shake me to wake me again. And, and I don't want this to ever wash over us. We we are really talking about life and death. We're talking about a child that before, as we talked about, the child is. Uh, almost skeletal remains, no light, no life in her eyes. Uh, can't hold her head up from her mother's arms because her neck is so weak. Uh, as you said yesterday, rightly, uh, does not have the energy even to make noise, to cry. Cry would be a step up mm-hmm. because it would mean energy. And so today, you know, the after, the plumpy nut, uh, is, a, is a life changer. It is a life saver. And that's what you're doing today when you call the number. You're providing life. To a child who otherwise, and we say child, it really is largely children of the age of two. Uh, you know, the, the first big hurdle in that part of the world is a healthy birth. Mm-hmm. And lots of babies die in childbirth. I remember being on the road with a guy who was an interpreter. He's an educated guy. He's been to college, been to university, uh, worked for the for the uh, consulate there and was an interpreter. And we was talking to him over at a dinner uh, about his life and his family. I said, tell me about how you grew up. And he was talking to me about it. And he said, my mother had eight kids. And so he goes on to talk, and I said, wow, I said, you grew up with eight kids in your family. He said, no, I grew up with four kids in my family. Three of them died in wow. childbirth, and one died of malnutrition before the age of two. Isn't it interesting, the things that we assume? You know, we are so blessed here in the United States of America that for a family near us to lose a child, it is a tragedy that many of us cannot even comprehend, and yet it is the day in and day out for so many of these children in places like Ethiopia, which is still trying to recover from the effects of a historic drought that uh, caused so much devastation, so much starvation, and so much pain. Your gift right now of $60 to save the children provides ready-to-use therapeutic food, plumpy nut, for one of these children, literally bringing them back from the brink of death due to severe acute malnutrition. So far, we've saved 45 kids. We have 105 more we'd like to speak to, and right now, every dollar you give 
is doubled through the generous matching gift of a donor uh, who said, I'll step up, I'll match these gifts. So this really is the time to call. 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. You can also help by clicking the Save the Children banner at letstalkfaith.com. Let's make that gift today. Let's save a life today. You can do it by joining us and Scott Wilder and our friends at Save the Children. 888-884-4836. Finding Faith Together. The new Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Also available on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is Bill Carl, today's guest host for the Bill Bunkley Show. Don Crow returns in a moment. As Bill continues to take some time off for his health, we continue to pray for him, his wife Tony, and son Zach, and look forward to a full recovery. In fact, Bill's doctors have told him to plan on heading to Israel this November with EDI Travel. To learn more, click on Bill's page at letstalkfaith.com. Have a plumbing, heating, or maybe in this weather, air conditioning or an electrical problem? Problem solved when you go to AactionHomeServices.com or call them at 703-922-1900. That's 703-922-1900. Without question, one of the most readily recognized names in global Christian ministry around the world is that of Wycliffe Bible Translators, a ministry celebrating its, uh, I believe, 75th anniversary last year, still forging ahead with its goal of seeing a Bible translation project started in every language on the face of this good earth by 2025. Well, joining us to talk more about this remarkable work of God, its rich history, and much more, John Hampshire is Communications Director for Wycliffe. And John and his wife, Cindy, have worked in Bible translation themselves for more than two decades, they've worked in the African countries of Kenya and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, also serving in other posts as well, director of field programs uh, during the years of 2009 to uh, 2013, and then back with translations ever since. John, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Don. It's a privilege for me to uh, be on your show today. Last year, Wycliffe, as I just mentioned, celebrated, if I'm right, their 75th anniversary. Can you kind of give us an overview of those amazing uh, three-quarters of a century of accomplishment? What's been happening through those years? And I'm sure there's plenty that still remains to be done. Yeah, we started, uh, as you said, about 75 years ago in uh, Central and South America, and uh, the work grew from there into uh, other parts of the world, Asia, Africa, uh, the Pacific Islands. And uh, we are continuing to address the language needs in the world. There are about 1,600 uh, languages that don't have any scripture, no translation work started. And uh, our desire is to see God's Word in all of those languages and uh, seeing it in a form and a way where people can understand it with their hearts, uh, their mother tongue. And on that latter point, isn't it true that so many of these uh, tribes uh, that have a language have no written or symbolic language whatsoever, symbol language, it's strictly uh, oral, am I right? That's right. There's uh, many languages that still are not written down. So uh, oftentimes one of the first activities that we face when we uh, start work in an area is language development. So uh, figuring out how that language is going to be written down, 
what letters they're going to use in their orthography. And, uh, of course, we don't do this uh, just as Wycliffe members, but we work very closely with the local citizens in the countries where we work. Uh, they speak the languages better than we can learn to speak the languages. And uh, so really we're in, the, uh, we're, we're in the business of facilitating Bible translation work around the world. Well, it's a powerful phrase. You used it a moment ago. Uh, and Wycliffe's goal is to uh, really develop that aspect, heart language. When people hear that, what are, the, what are we talking about? The average person may not know. What do you mean by heart language? Well, uh, in the Congo, where I work, the official language is French. And the trade language in the area where I work was Swahili. So pe- some people can speak French, and many people can speak Swahili. Um, but when they hear scriptures in their own language, the mother, their mother tongue, the language that they grew up speaking from the time they were just, you know, small children, uh, they have a much better understanding. And we've had, we've heard many testimonials of people who said, I've heard that verse in English, or excuse me, in French, I've heard that verse in Swahili, but I never really understood what that verse said Mm. until I heard it in my own language, my mother tongue. You and your wife have worked in this field for many years. What's your own story as to how you first got engaged in Bible translation? Was that something you decided early on or felt the Lord wanted you to do, or how did you move into that ministry? Yeah, my wife and I met at Bible College, and uh, we saw and heard Wycliffe speakers and were very interested in Bible translation work, and the Lord led us to work in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and uh, so in the early 90s, we moved to a small village in the Congo and, and uh, started working in a language project there. Last year, that language project finished the work. We only kind of got it helped, helped to get it started, but they continued and translated the New Testament. And uh, last year, they had a big dedication service for that testament, New Testament. So they now have uh, at least a portion of God's Word. They have the New Testament and they also have Genesis in the language that uh, speaks to their hearts. Now, is this, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce it correctly, the Chumbo, uh, Chumbo uh, language that uh, you've been working on in the Congo? That's right. Well, it's Chitambo. Chitambo. Chitambo is the way they say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I worked on that language in the early 90s, but we really haven't been part of that project for a lot of years other than praying for them and encouraging them, but they've been running with it. We gave them some initial training, and uh, they got some additional training, and the Congolese Christians there who speak that language are the ones who completed that New Testament, the draft of the New Testament, and Wycliffe has come alongside and helped provide some training and some uh, orientation, some funding, some computer support, some technical support, uh, but really, it's the local Christians there who've done that work, and uh, so they've they've moved that work forward over the past 20 years. Now, it's got to be uh, challenging <laughs> on several fronts when you take a language uh, and turn it into a written language for folks and uh, into the Scriptures themselves. Uh, what are some of the obstacles that have been faced in, the, in a project like this? Every context is different, but in the Congo, uh, we've faced a lot of insecurity and uh, some inter-ethnic conflict and breakdown in infrastructure in the country uh, for decades. And uh, so it's a very challenging place to live and work. 
challenging for expatriates like us, but it's also challenging for our Congolese brothers and sisters because uh, it's not a it's not an easy uh, place to work with the insecurity in certain areas. Uh, they face issues of uh, health of family members, poor health of family members, and difficulty providing for their families. And uh, but that's just in our context. Every context is different, and every context has unique challenges. Now, the uh, the Congo itself has been marked by its own trouble, civil war, and so forth. What else can you tell us about current conditions there in that regard? There's a, there's some insecurity uh, because of uh, some political unrest. Uh, they're waiting to have a presidential election, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's some tension in that regard. Not sure when that's going to take place, but uh, often in countries in East Africa and Central Africa, when there's an election, there's unrest. And mm-hmm. so we just pray that uh, God will uh, protect our friends and colleagues who live and work there. And um, But that's, that's the situation right now. Now you have a New Testament, as you've just said, uh, has just been completed. Uh, what's next for this people group itself? And uh, at what point do you feel like they may have an entire copy of God's Word, uh, uh, the entire Bible, in their hands? They would love to have the entire Bible. Uh, they're not satisfied with just having the New Testament, and we wouldn't be either. <laughs> so they'd love to have the entire uh, Scripture, and they'd like to work on it. But in the meantime, the translators uh, who worked on the Chitembo New Testament have been asked to assist four additional languages in their area to uh, to have a completed New Testament. And so those translators are assisting four other languages, and that's exciting to us to see this work multiplying in that way. Now, it may be asking a question over simplistically, but can you kind of walk us through uh, what it's like to go into a country like that and begin from kind of scratch to develop a language? Any anecdotal things that come to mind through your many years of experience and hurdles you've had to overcome to get this uh, uh oral language, let's say, down into a a written form for for this or any other tribe? Uh, It takes a lot of of sitting at a table and working with uh, language helpers who speak that language fluently to try to figure out how the language works, to try to figure out, uh, as I mentioned, what letters they're going to use in their alphabet and then how they're going to use those letters to create words and then how they put those words into phrases and phrases into sentences and sentences into paragraphs and paragraphs into stories because they oftentimes do it very differently than than I would do it in English. And uh, so once you get that work done, which could take, uh, you know, some some years, um, then you can move into translation or you move into translation before that's done and uh, just start initial translation work. Um, Bible translation is a challenge in itself because you want to make sure that you are rendering the scripture in the mother tongue in a way that's clear, it's understandable, and it's accurate. Uh, You don't want to add anything. You want to take anything out of what the original writers were trying to say. And so it takes time to get that right and to get it accurate, to to get it clear, and so that it flows smoothly as well and it's understandable to the readers. And there couldn't be a work more critical, it seems to me, uh, to the advancement of the gospel and the kingdom of Christ uh, than the work that Whitcliffe has been doing all these decades now. 
Uh, how can folks be a part of it, and how can our listeners uh, pray? What uh, intelligently pray on behalf of not just this project and uh, the Congo, but uh, in general the work of Wycliffe? What would you say to them? Well, I would say um, you could. There are there are certain ways to pray for the projects that do not yet have any scripture, and you could go on the Wycliffe website, wycliffe.org, and uh, sign up for a language group and pray for a language group that is still waiting to have scripture in their language. Um, you could also subscribe to a, a, a publication we put out called The Finish Line, which prays for scriptures that, that are approaching completion, because we find that at that point, the enemy really attacks. He doesn't want this work done. Mm. And so we need to pray these translations across the finish line. Mm. Um, there are other volunteer uh, opportunities with Wycliffe, both here in the uh, home office in the U.S., but also abroad. And so you could look for those opportunities to serve as well. And then, of course, giving funds as well. Um, financing the work, helping to fund Bible translation work is, is something that people can be involved in. Excellent. John, thank you so much for the time and for your and your wife's tireless work over the years, along with everybody at Wycliffe. Give them all our blessing and our best. Thank you, Don. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate your support. John Hampshire, Communications Coordinator with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And uh, if you want to check it out further, as I hope many of you will, you can go to Wycliffe.org, W Y. C-L-I-F-F-E. Many of you know that very familiar name, Wycliffe.org. Bunkley inviting you to join me and my family on an inspirational pilgrimage this November to Israel and Jordan. I've crafted with EDI Travel's renowned historian Boaz Shalgi an incredible itinerary. You'll visit Petra in Jordan, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Jericho, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, Masada, the northern Golan Heights, the Lebanese border, Ascalon, plus Jerusalem's new U.S. Embassy. We'll share an Israeli dinner at Boaz's home. See this and much more for the all-inclusive credible price of $3,965. Join me, Tony, and Zach on this 10-day all-inclusive pilgrimage November 10th through 19th. As a faithful listener, you've likely heard of my current health challenges. I've been advised by my medical team to plan on leading this spectacular pilgrimage. So come join us. Call 813-515-1510 or check out our complete itinerary online at letstalkfaith.com. This is Dennis Prager for townhall.com. Last Thursday's report by Inspector General Horowitz on FBI behavior during the Hillary Clinton email probe should shake our country to its core. This report further validates the erosion of public trust in an American institution that has long been highly esteemed for its professionalism and integrity. While exposing political bias among several FBI officials, the report scorches former FBI Director James Comey for his abuse of authority and for deceiving both his superiors and the public. What motivated him? Molly Hemingway on my program did not hesitate to answer. He, quote, was definitely animated by self-interest in his own power and the power of the FBI, unquote. There was a time when public servants were motivated by earning the public trust. We will suffer greatly as a nation if that doesn't continue. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. For me, the question is settled. 
Amazon's Echo eavesdrops on private conversations. Two U.S. senators agree, and they're asking some very tough questions. Kim Commando with your Monday Consumer Tech Update. Remember the family who discovered that their Amazon Echo recorded their private conversation and then sent it to a random person in their contact list? Researchers have proven that the family was correct. The Alexa voice assistant continues to listen to what you're saying without you knowing. Amazon has tried to explain all this away by claiming it's a software flaw. This isn't sitting well with two U.S. senators, Jeff Flake of Arizona and Chris Coons of Delaware. They've sent a letter directly to Amazon's chief, Jeff Bezos. They reject the flaw idea and say that the Alexa is performing precisely as it was designed. And they're demanding that Amazon step forward with proof that they've changed the system. For now, the burden is on you. Can you live with the device in your home that's always listening and probably recording everything you say? I'm Kim Commando. It's vital to protect your home and family with a home security system without sacrificing your privacy. That's what I love about Simply Safe. You'll get an HD camera that you control from your phone. You'll see what's going on when you're away, which is great. But what about your camera and your privacy when you're at home? Simply Safe has a solution. When the camera's on, you'll see a small indicator light. When it's off, so is the light. Simply Safe designed this camera with a privacy shutter. When you hear it click, you know the shutter's closed. Even the world's best hacker can't see through Simply Safe's thin, lightweight aluminum privacy camera shutter. It works every time. It's details like these that set Simply Safe apart as the best security system for your home, your family, your peace of mind, and your personal privacy. Simply Safe isn't just home security, it's home security done right. So check out Simply Safe for yourself today at simplysafekim.com. That's simplysafekim.com. Simplysafekim.com. Faith Talk 570, WTBN. The Don Crow Show on WAVA, brought to you in part by local expert realty, realtor Christy Moore promises she will sell your home in 58 days or she'll buy it. You want to talk to her about it? 866 404 5858. That's 866 866- 404-5858 or go to soldin58.com on the web. That's sold in and the numbers 58.com. Also delighted today to be able to share our program with the Bill Bunkley Show listeners on Faith Talk 570 AM, 910 AM, and 102.1 FM in Tampa, Florida. In a recent opinion piece at TheHill.com, my guest this hour observed that the headlines following a newly released report from the Social Security trustees could lead you to believe that the Social Security Trust Fund is going broke faster than anticipated. But the reality of the situation, he says, is far worse and, in fact, compares it to the the, uh, notoriously legendary Ponzi scheme. Yeah, yeah, the Ponzi scheme, right? The convicted money swindler, Charles Ponzi. And uh, he notes that there is at least, however, one big difference between the two, Social Security and a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> he says Mr. Ponzi went to jail for his scam. But don't expect any members of Congress to be headed that way anytime soon. It's a serious matter, folks. Dr. Merrill Matthews, resident scholar at IPI, Institute for Policy Innovation, joining me to talk about it. Mero, always good to talk with you. And uh, as always, uh, you have bring an insight that we need to hear. For a long time, we've been hearing such dire predictions about 
the trust fund going broke, but you say the new warning is uh, it's uh, much worse. Thank you, Don, for having me. But let me clarify. We may see members of Congress going to jail, just not for Social Security. <laughs> uh, sadly, I'm afraid you're right. Yes, indeed. But uh, talk about, uh, you know, this. Uh, we've been hearing this for several years that, well, it's going to go broke sooner than expected. You say mm-hmm. it's much worse than that. Well, here's here's what happens when uh, workers pay in to the Social Security trust fund. So every worker pays six point two percent of his or her income. The employer matches that, so that's twelve point four percent that goes into the Social Security work uh, to the Social Security trust fund. Out of that, Social Security uh, pays current retirees benefits. Uh, in most years, uh, that that income exceeds what they have to pay out, so there's a surplus. When that sur- at at the end of the year with that surplus, Congress then goes in and borrows that money, writes an IOU, uh, says it's going to pay an interest rate, and then takes that money and spends it on other things. And that money then is used to offset the current uh, federal deficit. So if, if you hear the uh, Let's just say if you if you hear the current deficit this year is five hundred billion dollars, Congress may have borrowed a hundred billion from Social Security, meaning that the the, the real current deficit would have been six hundred billion dollars. Except Congress borrowed that money and used it to pay for various government expenses, lowering the current deficit. But bar, the Congress has borrowed all that money, has put an IOU in there, and so when the trust fund needs to draw on on funds. As the trustees say it's going to have to this year, Congress has to draw on, draw on those funds. There's no money in the trust fund. It's, it's IOUs. So in order to be able for Congress to draw on that money to pay current benefits, it has to redeem an IOU, which means the government has to go to current, to current assets, borrow money or whatever, to pay back the IOU so that it can then pay Social Security um, Benefit. So the, the debate that's been going on all along is, is there really a trust fund? I say there's not. It's filled with IOUs. Uh, there are Democrats and some other people who say, well, no, that, that money is actually there. The government's always stood behind its funds. So that's the debate. And, of course, uh, we're now at the point, as you've already said, as I understand it, that they're going to have to go borrow money uh, to make up this difference. Where are they going to borrow it from? Well, that's just it. If if the government had assets, yeah. it could say, "Oh, we've got we, we've got some money over here in account, or we've got some stocks, or something like that. We'll sell those and 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 put that money in there." But it doesn't have any assets. It's running a deficit every year. So, in order to be able to pay that back, the government either has to raise taxes or borrow the money in order to be able to pay it back. So it's it's like you you said I had I had $100 in one pocket. I needed it to pay for something so I put an IOU in there. Uh and now somebody needs that $100, well so I can't just pull it out of that pocket. I've got to go find that $100 somewhere to pay it back even though I have an IOU there. And that's I, and and I ironically that's something like what Ponzi did in his scheme in the 1920s. Uh, he created investments. He, people paid in. He used that money to pay other people back, and so he used the investments that were coming in to pay anybody else who wanted uh, or wanted their money back. 
but he uses a lot of that to spend on his own benefits and so forth. And so when you know, your Ponzi scheme can work as long as the, the number of people keep, keeps growing that pays in, and Social Security worked as long as you had more people paying in, but we have a shrinking population as more and more people are getting older and they're wanting that money because they're retiring, and we have fewer workers paying in on it. We're going to take a break, come back with more. It's a very important issue, and I know many of you listening are affected by it, or certainly all will be at some point. We'll continue the conversation with Merrill Matthews in a moment. Stay with us. Bill Carl here with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. Thank you for joining us for just a few moments as we share more opportunities for you to save lives through Save the Children. When you call 888 888- 884-4836 and make your gift of $60. You save a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. You can also click the Save the Children link at letstalkfaith.com to make that gift. And what are we talking about, really? Well, Save the Children, around for over 100 years, has been working in East Africa among famine victims. And they provide, it. it's kind of a funny name, they provide this ready-to-use therapeutic food called plumping it. Peanut-based, it's kind of based on Nutella, and it really does bring kids back from the brink of death. Again, your $60 provides enough plumping nut and medicine to save a child who's starving. And Scott, I know that you've been there in Ethiopia and seen the miracle of plumping nut and seen the miracle of these kids. Take us inside that a little. It is to nutrition what penicillin was to medicine. And that's not just me. I mean, 60 Minutes talked about it as a miracle. And I don't know if you watch 60 Minutes very much, but they don't use the word miracle very often. Uh, It brings kids back, children back, babies back from the brink of uh, death. I mean, they're right on the doorstep. I mean, they they are the child you're thinking of right now. The child with uh, appears to be a skeleton uh, with skin draped over it. I mean, it, it really is stark to see when you see a mom holding her twin boys that are three months old. And she says, I can no longer even nurse my kids. I don't have enough food for myself. And uh, mother's milk is the only way my kids uh, can survive, and they're suffering from severe acute malnutrition. Uh, today we have a chance to, to be the safety net. We have a chance to be um, come together and do this thing uh, that really is ours to do. So, I mean, we, you've been fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever word you use, um, to be where you are, to live where you live. Not, not just to be born where you've been born, but to be born when you've been born. And we're so thankful to be in a position to be able to do good for others, not to have to rely on the government and other agencies to make this happen. Save the Children is a nonprofit that I know personally at our house, Missy and I give to every year, and we want to encourage you to as well. In fact, Save the Children works here in the United States of America. I spent a good chunk of time last fall in uh, rural Tennessee among Save the Children uh, folks who have been blessed through this ministry, and I hope you'll step in right now. Again, your gift of $60 saves a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. We're counting down 105 kids to go. Would you call right now? 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. Or click the Save the Children banner at Let's Talk Faith.com. And I'll tell you this as well. We've had a generous donor step forward who over the next month has said, look, for every gift that your listeners make to save the children, I'll double it. So if you make that gift of $60, it becomes $120, so on and so forth. And maybe right now you'd say, Bill Scott, I'll do a leadership gift of $600. That would take care of 10 children saving their lives. And with those matching dollars, would add another 10 children to the list of those 
who've been impacted through Save the Children and through your kindness. So again, I'd encourage you to go to the phone right now. Here's the number, 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. Or again, click the Save the Children banner at letstalkfaith.com. Together, we can save lives with Save the Children. 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. We are here to give you strength between Sundays. C.S. Lewis says pride is like a cancer that will rob you even of common sense. The more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it or despise it in others. We are here for you. Faith Talk AM 570, online at com. I'm Bill Carl, and today's guest host on The Bill Bunkley Show, Don Crow, returns in a moment. You know, if you're like me, you have a lot of apps on your phone you just don't use anymore, why not delete one of them and make room for the Faith Talk app? It's free for your Apple or Android device, and it allows you to take Faith Talk 570, 910, and FM 102.1 with you wherever you go. Download the Faith Talk app today. Don Crow Show on WAVA. Social Security isn't gone broke. It's already broke. That's the argument made by my guest this hour, Merrill Matthews. Dr. Matthews is resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation. You can find his work and that of his colleagues at their website, IPI.org. You've already mentioned, Merrill, that... uh, with little or no legitimate earnings, the schemes require a consistent flow of money from new investors to continue, of course, referencing the Ponzi scheme. Uh, and then you say that's pretty much how Social Security works. Of course, unlike Ponzi, Social Security doesn't have to solicit new investors. Federal law requires virtually all working Americans to be, if you will, an investor. But you've already pointed out the uh, uh, the fact that the system is losing uh, through baby boomers uh, retiring and so forth. But there's another dynamic. Uh, it's a very sad one in my view. I remember some years ago Dr. Richard Land making the point that uh, just from an economic standpoint, we are pay- paying a profound price for some 50 to, mi- uh, to, 50 to 60 million unborn children who uh, have been aborted who even just, if you want to look at it from the crass economic aspect, would have been payers into this Social mm-hmm. Security system. And I think there's some legitimacy to that point. Absolutely, yes. We've, uh, And that's part of the reason why we have a shrinking population. So in, uh, in, in 1960, the Social Security Administration says there is 5.1 workers per beneficiary. To, uh, by 2020, they expect that to be about half that, about 2.5 workers per beneficiary, and that number is declining because we don't have the population we used to. One of them is uh, couples having fewer children, but abortion, of course, plays a role in that. And and when they set up Social Security, they couldn't imagine a time that the population was actually declining. But it's not just that the population is declining. We have more and more people retiring. The, the general estimate right now is roughly 10,000 people every day retire. And they go, they go from being people who are paying into the system to people who are receiving from the system. And that sort of exacerbates the problem. You also say, and you've mentioned that a bit ago, 
The SEC says the in Ponzi schemes, fraudsters take investors' contributions, quote, to use for personal expenses instead of engaging in any legitimate investment activity. And I like your point. You say, arguably, that is what Congress has been doing in spending the surplus. It's been taking this money and spending it on other things that it had no business doing. That's right. If the, if the government had taken the money and loaned it out to financial institutions, bought stock, neither one of those are necessarily good things when you're talking about that much money. But if, if the government had done that, uh, then it would have assets to draw on to pay this back. There's roughly $2.9 trillion on the books in the Social Security Trust Fund. That's what the balance looks like right now. And so when they talk about this declining, they're having to pay out more, but they're going back and drawing from the trust fund. Uh, and they say that by if nothing changes by around 2034, uh, so what is that, 16 years from now or so, uh, the trust fund will be exhausted. But that $2.9 trillion, Don, there, there's no assets they're drawing from. The government, to pay that back, has to draw it from general revenues or borrow the money because there is no pool of money set aside to be able to pay that back. So we've got to pay the $2.9 trillion as taxpayers now, those of us who are working, and then when you pay it back, uh, then, they, then the trustees say that if they don't, if nothing else changes, by about 2034, they'll only be able to pay 75 cents on the dollar of the, um, uh, of the money that, you, that retirees are supposed to be getting. And is it oversimplifying it to say that that trust fund is really basically nothing but a whole pocket full of IOUs? Yes, that's, that's all it is. They're called specials, and they're in a, yes, I've seen a picture of it. It's, it's a lockbox, and they have the IOUs in the lockbox, and they're called specials because they are not – most debt, you know, if you go and borrow money someplace or, or you owe money, you can sell that debt to somebody else, an investor somewhere who may give you less for it, but then, but you can't do that with the IOUs. They're not transferable. The government can't say, well, we've got $2.9 trillion worth of IOUs. If China will give us $2 trillion, we'll take it. But they can't do that. They, they have to fund it themselves. Well, we'll take one more break and come back. A couple of other questions. And, again, folks, this is, uh, uh, this is not mere uh, th- theoretic, if you will. This is very serious business that I know many of you already are deeply concerned about either uh, as current recipients, but more importantly, the younger set, uh, our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids who uh, you know, can expect perhaps little if nothing out of this unless things change. I want to talk with Merrill about what changes can, even now at this late date, be made, or is the Social Security Trust Fund actually, for all practical purposes, just defunct and broken, can't be fixed? We'll talk about it. Hey, this is Bill Carl, along with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. And right now, your gift of $60 provides enough ready-to-use therapeutic food, enough plumping nut, and medicine to save a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. We've been talking about this for several days now, and we just have a little bit of time left to meet the goal of saving 150 kids. The number is 888-884-4836. So I was on the air not so long ago, actually in Seattle. Seattle is not known for being the bastion of uh, Christianity. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's like the uh, West Coast version of Boston. I mean, it's just it's just not uh, a place that the churches thrive. And yet there, I had a woman call and say, I want to do this for 100 kids. 
A $6,000 one-time gift. We do need a game changer, I must say. We want to be able to thank you by first name and by city. So whether you're going to do $60 or $600 or $6,000 or more or less, the good news is it's going to be matched dollar for dollar, and we're waiting for your call right now at 888-884-4836. Again, that number is 888-884-4836. Letstalkfaith.com is the website you can go to and click the Save the Children banner. And right now, would you call 888-884-4836? Maybe there's somebody right now you would make a leadership gift of um, of $600, and that would draw us so very closely. We're, we're, I'm telling you, we're we're right there. Scott's over there, kind of calculating everything. Thirteen more, thirteen down to thirteen would be seven hundred eighty dollars. Thirteen kids right now would be seven hundred eighty dollars. And listen, I could sit here and break it down with an abacus into all type of <laughs> monthly and bi monthly gifts and ways to do it. However, you choose to do it, need somebody to do it. I, you know, listen, if you just want to make that one time gift of sixty dollars, we welcome that and we're blessed by need that. It. But I really, truly do believe, Scott, that there's somebody that's been listening. They listened yesterday. They've listened today. God's been tapping at their heart and just kind of, you know, nudging them the whole time. And they, you just kind of get in that place. You're like, oh, you know, a little later. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it happen. You can make it happen. I mean, you can. You know, really you can. There are families. They'll put a whole vacation on a credit card mm-hmm. and hope that by the end of the year they pay for mm-hmm. it. We live in just a stone's throw of Disney World. And I know, and I've met people. Where'd you come from? Mm. I came down from, you know, Dakota. We come here every year. And, you know, you know they put three, $4,000 in that credit card at the beginning of the year to book it, and then they kind of figured it out. And I just know that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I know there's somebody listening right now. You know you could make that gift, and you could either write the check and it'd be done or put it on your debit card, or you could just find a way to figure it out. you just figure it out. And I want you to, I just want to encourage you right now. God's been speaking to you. When you think of these children, when you think about what they're experiencing, when you think about how they're really at the door of death, when, when you know, Scott told us last hour that one of the kids he met over there said, well, if I grow up, I'd like to be my grandfather. When you're living in a state where you don't assume that you're going to grow up, that's a bad place to be. But we can rescue. We can help save the children on the ground right now in very difficult places providing Plumpy Nut, providing this therapeutic food for children really on the brink of death. Your $60 gift saves one of these children. So I need you to call right now. And don't worry about figuring it out till later. You'll figure it out. 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. Or click the Save the Children banner at letstalkfaith.com. Bill Carl here, Don Crow. Today's host for the Bill Bunkley Show returns in a moment. In the meantime, this reminder, private Christian schools in the Tampa Bay area are already enrolling for next year. If you're considering enrolling your student for the very first time, first go to our website, christiantuitions.com. Half off your first year's tuition at the area's best Christian schools, christiantuitions.com. A few more minutes with my guest, Dr. Merrill Matthews, resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation, IPI.org on the web. And Maryland, this last couple of minutes, of course, uh, back in, what, 1935, FDR signed this program into law. Uh, what was the original rationale for the need of it being created? And uh, had it stayed on track, would it have been uh, really effective? 
Well, you certainly had you had people who were struggling through the depression, and so the two ideas were: let's try to get uh, some people uh, who retire a certain amount of income, at least a basic amount of income, so they'll have something and they won't be devastated if when they retire. But secondly, you couldn't get the benefits until you retired completely, and there was a sense of trying to let's push some of the people out of the workforce. Push is too strong a word, but let's get them out of the workforce because they'll have this to open up more jobs for more people. So it had two purposes there. Now, I said it uh, just before the break. Is, as it stands now, the system so broken it can't be repaired or uh, turned around? Or if it can be, what needs to be done to make that happen? What we should have done, should have done it a while back, but at least we have the instruments to do that now, is to transition over to a personal accounts where individuals, instead of giving that 12.4% to the government, it goes into a personal account that is managed. They can't day trade with it. You have options like S&P 500, Russell 2000, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, large composite uh investment options that sort of track the economy as a whole, and then that money grows over time. And when you do that, the S&P 500 has averaged 9 to 10% a year. If you track it over 30 years, that would be uh, – that's roughly 9 to 10% a year for 30 years. That would be a huge investment for people, and you would have – countless people ending wealthy, leaving, uh, retiring with a million dollars or more in their accounts because the money belonged to them. If you want to address the problem of savings in America, don't give the government the money to the government. Put it on your own personal account that's somewhat restricted, and that money belongs to you when you retire. And final question, is, in fact, our current health savings accounts uh, a sort of a very modest illustration of how this might work? Absolutely. People have been allowing those those accounts to grow tax-free over time, and so that's exactly what you do. But there's other countries that have done this. There's three counties in Texas uh, that did this uh, back in the uh, 18, uh, back in 1983, and they've never lost a dime. So people there retire with about twice the money they'd be getting from Social Security. And uh, there again, the specter that I think of when I think of the uh, health savings accounts and so forth is even at that, we have rumblings from time to time in Washington of the politicians even wanting to reach, reach in and steal those from us. That's absolutely right. In fact, Bill Clinton, as president, wanted to reach in and try to steal that money exactly. and, and use it to invest in low-income things. Well, it's always good to talk to you about these matters. Thank you for uh, your scholarship and that of your colleagues there. And uh, uh, are you hopeful that something positive will be will be done during this administration to uh, begin to ameliorate this problem with the Social Security? I am not terribly hopeful, but <laughs> let's at least put the problem out there. Very well. You've helped us do that. Thank you, Merrill. Good to talk with you. Thank you. Dr. Merrill Matthews, as we've said, he's resident scholar at the Institute for Policy Innovation. And you can check their work out at their website, ipi.org. He's also a health policy expert, weekly contributor at Forbes.com, and as well past president for the Health Economics Roundtable for the National Association for Business Economics. Brings a lot of skill and knowledge to our conversations, and uh, that's one of the reasons we like to have him on as often as we're able. That's it for this hour here on the Don Crow Show. And again, uh, we thank you uh, folks listening to the Bill Bunkley Show on Faith Talk 570 AM, 910 AM, and 102.1 FM in Tampa, Florida for spending this hour with us. We'll be back with another hour in just a moment or two.
We're here to give you strength between Sundays. The author of the book of Hebrews said, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, exhorting one another. Be accountable to somebody. We're here for you. Faith Talk AM 570. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem Media Group. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Both Inspector General of the Justice Department Michael Horowitz and FBI Director Christopher Wray are testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee this afternoon on the IG's report of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham offers a blistering response to the revelations in the report. I'm glad you found what you found, Mr. Horowitz. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying that the Clinton email investigation was on the up and up. And the reason I'm not buying it is because the two people intimately involved, one, the guy, the, the lead investigator, clearly did not want to see Donald Trump become president of the United States. Graham referring to FBI agent Peter Strzok, who offered his opinion in texts to another FBI agent during the 2016 presidential campaign. President Trump is doubling down on blaming Democrats for the country's controversial immigration policies. The president's pointing a finger of blame over a policy that separates some immigrant children and parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's very strongly the Democrats' fault. In a defiant speech, the president said the U.S. will not be a migrant camp or refugee-holding facility. You look at what's happening in Europe, you look at what's happening in other places, we can't allow that to happen to the United States, not on my watch. He called on Democrats to stop obstructing and work with Republicans on immigration reform. Greg Clugston, the White House. The Supreme Court is allowing electoral maps that were challenged as excessively partisan to remain in place for now. It declined to rule on the bigger issue of whether to put limits on redistricting for political gain. The court issued a pair of unanimous rulings Monday in partisan redistricting cases from Wisconsin and Maryland that decided very little and ensured that any resolution by the nation's highest court would not come before the 2018 midterm elections. On Wall Street, the down by 103 points, the Nasdaq up a fraction, the S&P declined six. More on these stories at townhall.com. We're Sound Income Strategies, and baby boomers who work with us know the secret to a great retirement is our middle name, Income. At Sound Income Strategies, we transform high-fee, high-taxed retirement spend-down schemes into sustained retirement income, and we can do the same for you. For your free, no-obligation income kit, call 866-913-1234. That's 866-913-1234. It's time to get off the Wall Street roller coaster stop the retirement spend down schemes and join the income generation for your free no obligation income kit call 866-913-1234 that's 866-913-1234 investment advisory services offered through sound income strategies llc and sec registered investment advisory firm sound income strategies the secret to a great retirement is our middle name call 866-913-1234 The chief executive of German carmaker Audi, Rupert Stadler, has been arrested in connection with an investigation into the diesel emissions scandal. Audi boss Rupert Stadler was detained in Munich on Monday morning. German prosecutors say he was taken into custody to prevent him tampering with evidence. 
The diesel emission scandal broke three years ago, but the VW Group is still dealing with the fallout and has set aside almost $30 billion for fines and other costs related to the scandal. VW, which owns the Audi brand, has admitted to cheating emissions tests in 11 million diesel cars worldwide. BBC correspondent Damian McGuinness reporting. Apple says its next iPhone operating system will automatically deliver quicker and more reliable information pinpointing the location of 911 calls to about 6,300 emergency response centers in the U.S. News and analysis at townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. We're here to give you strength between Sundays. Jesus does not want to be the most important part of your life. Jesus wants to be your life. He wants all of who you are. We're here for you. Faith Talk AM 570. Online at letstalkfaith.com. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Finding faith together. The new Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Also available on the iHeartRadio app. This hour is sponsored by EDI Travel. Live from the WAVAFM Passport Auto Group Studios, it's the Don Crow Show on 105.1 FM WAVA. Hello there, folks. Welcome to another hour of the Don Crow Show, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 each afternoon. We have this chance to get together, talk about stuff going on. I call them matters that really do matter, issues of significance that you and I need to get informed about, but then get involved. Find positive, life-affirming ways to make a difference. Always great to have you with us and also delighted to be able to share the day with the Bill Bunkley Show audience on Faith Talk 570 AM, 910 AM and 102.1 FM in Tampa, Florida. Joining you right now, Brian Sheely. Brian and Mike, uh, Mike Rakeman, Brian Sheely are co-founders of Fellowship Home Loans, mortgage lending guided by Christian principles. And uh, Brian, uh, the feds increased the rates again last week. Uh, what can we as consumers expect with this? And uh, who's it going to impact? How will it actually play itself out? Yeah, Don, this wasn't a surprise. We all saw it coming. And I don't think this is going to be the last increase of the year. As we discussed, rates are going to continue to rise throughout the end of the year. You may find some pockets, some things that may happen that will you know, drop rates slightly. But this just isn't affecting homeowners or those purchasing homes. These are affecting anyone, any people out there 
that have any type of debt, any type of credit cards, personal loans, installment loans, the bottom line is, Don, the cost of money is rising across the board. I'm going to talk more about it with Mike O'Brien. Here's the number, 1-800-804-SAVE. Now, that's 1-800-804-7283. And, of course, you can always visit with them on the web at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Now, Brian, what do you see coming with the rates for the rest of the year? You said, uh, you know, uh, this is uh, not over yet, so to speak. What should homeowners be looking out for? You know, I do think that, you know, if you're going to see waiting for that big drop in rates, I don't think you're going to see that anytime soon. But I think that waiting on the sidelines for that is only to be a detriment to you. You know, the cost of money is rising, like I said. Credit cards are going to be going up. Your monthly output is going up. And wages don't seem to be following as fast as these rates are going up on credit cards and loans. So I think people are, should take advantage of what they see with their home values, the, the rise in home values, their home being worth more than it was six months ago or a year ago, and look to consolidate those bills. Get rid of that private mortgage insurance because you have this newfound equity. Most importantly, get rid of that home equity loan or home equity line, any type of variable rate. It doesn't make sense to keep it with the rising rate environment. Now, what do you have to say to people who say, look, Brian, uh, I've uh, talked with loan officers before. In fact, I applied for a loan maybe a few months ago. I didn't qualify, and it could have been my credit. could have been I didn't have enough money coming in for income, or uh, I didn't have enough equity in my property. Uh, so I've kind of given up for now. What do you say to them? You know, I've heard that a million times. So many times people will call up and say, you know what, I don't think you could help me because I couldn't be helped before. And the thing is, programs change. We know interest rate changes. Interest rates change. We know that home values are on the rise. There's so much more that you're able to do with your home today than you might have been able to do even six months ago. Maybe it it did not benefit you six months ago, but everything changes. And so we talk about that mortgage checkup, Don, like a physical. You go every six months or every year. Take a look at your financial situation and see what makes sense. Does it make sense to refinance? You know that at the end of that phone call, you're going to have a very honest and clear answer from people that are just going to be straightforward with you, that share your values and your beliefs, and just know that, hey, at the end of this call, I'll be on the best financial footing possible, and I'm going to get those honest answers that I deserve. You can Thanks, my friend. Good to talk with you as always. Uh, my pleasure, Don. Thank you. And folks, you can uh, do it for yourself. You can pick that phone up and you can talk with Mike or Brian and ask your own questions. Uh, uh, you know, we used to have teachers say the only dumb question is the one you didn't ask. So give them a call today at 1-800-804-SAVE, 1-800-804-SAVE, 1-800-804-7283, or you can visit us online at wava.com. <laughs> I'm sorry, online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Now, we have a couple of minutes before we move to the next part of the show, and uh, I was uh, a couple of columns that I've picked up recently. From Tolerance to Celebration, How Corporations Impose Sexual Orthodoxy, and also another one at stream.org, The Real Reason America Has Embraced Same-Sex Marriage. Excuse me, on this last one, a recent Gallup poll confirms what has been quite clear, or I should say clear for quite a few years. Pardon me. The primary reason America is embracing same-sex, in quotes, marriage, 
is not because we're more tolerant, and this is powerful, it's because we are less moral. Think about that. The primary reason America is embracing same-sex marriage is not because we're more tolerant, it's because we are less moral. Before you scream homophobe, says this writer, please look at the evidence with me. I'm not discounting that many Americans embrace same-sex relationships because they have an LGBT friend or a loved one. To them, this is simply a matter of acceptance, of love, equality, and fairness. In that sense, America has become more tolerant. Much of the motivation is positive, though though I hardly disagree, says this writer, with the outcome. We just want to be nice, accepting, and non-judgmental. But there's no question that our embrace of same-sex marriage, again in quotes, is part and parcel of our slide toward sexual anarchy and away from biblical morality. I want to come back to that on another segment or another uh, uh, afternoon, perhaps even. But really, that is what's at stake here, folks. The I've said it for years. Our nation is suffering from... Uh, moral freefall, if you will. We've slipped our moral moorings. Uh, we have tossed away the absolutes. And, of course, uh, that's a discussion that could take hours to really dig into in depth. But uh, there's a price to be paid when we decide at various levels, starting with our universities and uh, elsewhere in the culture, that all truth is relative, that there are no absolutes, that there is no uh, God who sits over and above us all and judges us according to righteousness and truth. And, of course, uh, this has taken its toll on the culture, but we'll come back to that more in depth on another occasion. Stay with us. I'm Bill Carl, along with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. Imagine a child so weakened from malnutrition, so near the brink of death with starvation that they cannot cry out for their mother's milk, that they cannot turn their head to receive food, they cannot even move, uh, that their body literally is shutting down from hunger. That's really what's happening in so many parts of the world. And thank God for Save the Children stepping in, providing ready-to-use therapeutic food and medicines for these children. Uh, you can be a part of that right now. You call 888 4836, your gift of $60 saves a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. Uh, Scott Wilder joins us from Save the Children. Scott, we've talked about the before. Tell us a little bit about the after, after these kids receive this life-giving treatment. Uh, the, the after is light, and it's life, and it's a plump child, a happy child, a healthy child, like every child should be. I mean, that, that is what your money does today. And I know it's easy for stuff to wash over us. There's stuff that happens here in the news, and it washes over me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to shake myself to sort of shake me to wake me again. And, and I don't want this to ever wash over us. We, we are really talking about life and death. We're talking about a child that before, as we talked about, the child is uh, almost skeletal remains, no light, no life in her eyes, uh, can't hold her head up from her mother's arms because her neck is so weak. Uh, as you said yesterday, rightly, uh, does not have the energy even to make noise, to cry. Cry would be a step up mm-hmm. because it would mean energy. And so today, you know, the after, the plumpy nut, uh, is, a, is a life changer. It is a life saver. And that's what you're doing today when you call the number. You're providing life to a child who otherwise, and we say child, it really is largely children of the age of two. 
uh, you know, the, the first big hurdle in that part of the world is a healthy birth. Mm. And lots of babies die in childbirth. I remember being on the road with a guy who was an interpreter. He's an educated guy. He's been to college, been to university, uh, worked for the for the uh, consulate there and was an interpreter. And we was talking to him over at a dinner uh, about his life and his family. I said, tell me about how you grew up. And he was talking to me about it. And he said, my mother had eight kids. And so he, he goes on to talk. And I said, wow. I said, you grew up with eight kids in your family. He said, no, I grew up with four kids in my family. Three of them died in wow. childbirth and one died of malnutrition before the age of two. Isn't it interesting the things that we assume? You know, we are so blessed here in the United States of America that for a family near us to lose a child, it is a tragedy that many of us cannot even comprehend. And yet it is the day in and day out for so many of these children in places like Ethiopia, which is still trying to recover from the effects of a historic drought that uh, caused so much devastation, so much starvation and so much pain. Your gift right now of $60 to save the children provides ready-to-use therapeutic food, plumping nut, for one of these children, literally bringing them back from the brink of death due to severe acute malnutrition. So far, we've saved 45 kids. We have 105 more we'd like to speak to. And right now, every dollar you give is doubled through the generous matching gift of a donor uh, who said, I'll step up, I'll match these gifts. So this really is the time to call. 888-884-4836. That's 888 888- Eight eight four four eight three six. You can also help by clicking the Save the Children banner at letstalkfaith.com. Let's make that gift today. Let's save a life today. You can do it by joining us and Scott Wilder and our friends at Save the Children. 888-884-4836. Faith Talk 570 WTBN. Hey, this is Bill Carl, today's guest host for the Bill Bunkley Show. Don Crow returns in a moment. As Bill continues to take some time off for his health, we continue to pray for him, his wife Tony, and son Zach, and look forward to a full recovery. In fact, Bill's doctors have told him to plan on heading to Israel this November with EDI Travel. To learn more, click on Bill's page at letstalkfaith.com. Don Crow Show on WAVA. Deadly weekend attacks by suspected Boko Haram jihadists using young girls as suicide bombers, killing 43 people in northeastern Nigeria. This, according to officials today, a blast ripped through the town of Damboa in Borno State on Saturday in the evening, targeting people returning from the celebration of the end of Ramadan. Uh, in an attack uh, that they say bears all the hallmarks of Boko Haram. Meanwhile, another brutal scourge occurring in Africa's largest nation, that of the deadly and growing attacks against Christians by tribal Fulani herdsmen. Join us to talk more about these uh, crises, particularly the latter, is uh, Nathan Weininger, Director of Policy and Coalitions with the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative, by the way, it's an organization, wonderful organization. We highly recommend that you check it out and partner with them at 21wilberforce.org on the web. Uh, they have committed to create a world where religious freedom is recognized by nations all across the globe as a fundamental human right and to do it with advocacy to raise awareness and change policy. And that's part of why we talk on a weekly basis with folks from 21 Wilberforce. Nathan, welcome to the show. And talk about the issue of Fulani extremism that's been uh, developing and picking up uh, a bit in the news recently. 
Uh, some folks say, well, it's the same as Boko Haram, but there is a distinction and a difference, isn't there? That's right. There is. You know, and you can see it in the ways of the fact that Boko Haram has been attacking right now at this point primarily Muslim people. Now, when Boko Haram first started its attacks, um, it would attack Christians, but then once it cleared Christians out of its area, it started attacking Muslims to the point now where there are more mosques that have been destroyed than churches. And at least at this point, we see in the middle belts of the country, that's the breadbasket, the agricultural heartland of Nigeria, we see that the attacks are happening predominantly along religious ethnic lines and predominantly to Christians. Another big difference is that Boko Haram has a clearly identified hierarchy. It has a clearly identified agenda. It's claimed responsibility. And we haven't seen any particular group or organization claim responsibility for the rising violence that we see in the middle belt. Um, right now, it looks like it could be vigilantes, it could be gangs, it could be a terrorist organization. We just simply don't yet know. But we need to. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to figure out why it's happening, why it's targeting ethno-religious minorities. And we need the U.S. government to support the Nigerian government in efforts to make sure that this violence stops. Because at the end of the day, people should not be targeted because of what religion they come from or what ethnic background they come from. They should be free to live and to worship as their consciences dictate. Well, as I know you're aware, and others of us who track these things, especially regarding Africa and Nigeria, uh, the Nigerian government, both past and present, has come under heavy criticism for not dealing with this more effectively and more summarily. and in fact, there are those who would argue that this may cost Buhari re-election uh, coming up. But what are your own thoughts as to the responsibilities of the Nigerian government in this regard and uh, also their capabilities to deal with it? Well, I think it's important to remember that when we criticize the Buhari administration, we also remember that a different administration from a different political party and also with a different religion of the president, um, Jonathan, President Jonathan was a Christian, um, failed to respond effectively to Boko Haram. And it wasn't until the U.S. government and other Western um, interests and influence really called him to account and helped him see the importance of doing this for continued partnership with Western countries such as the United States, that he was finally able to muster the, the, the will uh, to actually confront these problems. So we've seen this happen before in the case of Boko Haram as a, as a violence and terrorist threat. And now, unfortunately, we're seeing similar patterns happen um, under the Buhari administration, which, to its credit, has taken decisive action against Boko Haram. Now, sometimes those actions have not done a terribly good job respecting human rights, but we are grateful that they have taken action and we need them to take human rights action, honoring actions, justice-oriented actions, to make sure that people in their homes and villages in the middle belt of the country feel safe. Now, you said in the uh, earlier moment that the Boko Haram has, in fact, been attacking uh, initially Christians. Uh, we've talked about that on this show for years, and now more recently even Muslim groups. Why are they turned against Muslim groups? One might assume that uh, they're really attacking uh, their own kind, so to speak. Well, you know, there are lots of different types of Muslims in the world, um, and some of them are, many, many, many of them are um, very peace-loving people. Um, They have different denominations and theologies, just like Christians do. Um, And the reason that they're doing this is because they're trying to have a very purified 
ideologically consistent form of Islam that is willing to cause harm and, and pain to people who disagree with it. And many Muslims in northern Nigeria just disagree with that. Many Muslims in northern Nigeria have neighbors who are Christians, have even family members who are Christian, and they're not interested in following Boko Haram's uh, scorched earth policy and getting rid of their neighbors who don't believe like them. And so because of that, Nigeria or Boko Haram has targeted those people, those people who are Muslim but don't agree with its uh, really overly strident ideology that demands uh, fealty to the point of death with every particular point of its ideology. When it comes to the Fulani uh, herdsmen, I've recalled uh, even back, I was in that region back in, I believe it was 2005, and even then there had just been, prior to our being there, a terrible attack on some churches and uh, uh, so nearly 100 Christians slaughtered in their church uh, less than a year prior. And, and, but then again, it was couched uh, by the what we call mainstream world media, CNN and others, as simply a uh, turf war, if you will, uh, herdsmen not wanting the... Uh, uh, the Christian farmers, who are farmers by trade and occupation, to have the land and vice versa. And so the Fulani herdsmen were dry, seeking to drive the Christians <laughs> off the land for uh, purely economic uh, reasons, let's say. Uh, but there is a very powerful religious dynamic going on here, is there not? That's correct. And for years, there was a, there have been skirmishes back and forth between Christian farmers and Muslim herders. Um, but those skirmishes were oftentimes settled by local institutions, by local leaders, and there was peace that would be able to come. Many people in Nigeria will tell you that these the, the attacks have changed in character. They've changed in nature. Recently, uh, about a month ago, there was an attack on a, on a Catholic church during the Mass. And during the Mass, two priests were killed. And this demonstrates how um, even though the attackers didn't say anything specifically about the ideology about why they were attacking, it wasn't simply a, a pastor, a pastoralist issue. It wasn't in a field where this attack happened. It was in a church. And that's why we're so excited um, and grateful that the U.S. Uh, government, that the Trump administration has sent Ambassador uh, Sam Brownback, the ambassador at large for international religious freedom, to Nigeria. He's there this week. He's very savvy. Um, we've been able to brief him. Other organizations have been able to brief him. And we're very confident that he understands the, the really complicated na narratives and structures around this. And we're very hopeful that he'll be able to encourage the, the government of Nigeria to live up to its obligations of protecting all of its people. Talking with Nathan Weiniger, Director of Policy and Coalitions. With the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative, their website is the number 21wilberforce.org. And Nathan, talk about why, in fact, we should care at all about religious freedom, especially somewhere as far away as, let's say, Nigeria, West Africa. Why? How, how would you answer people who may say such a thing to you? Well, Nigeria matters tremendously in the world. Currently, it has 190 million people, um, and we're expecting by 2050 for the population of Nigeria to be larger than the United States. It sits at the intersection of North Africa, which is predominantly Muslim, and Sub-Saharan Africa, which is predominantly Christian. And their ability to figure out a way of living together and people being able to express their faith is very important. 
You know, according to the Pew Research Center of the top 25 most populous countries in the world, Nigeria has the highest social hostilities around religion. That's just a really shocking statistic. And the fact that when you see how Europe has responded uh, with a lot of strain and difficulty for various governments in, in uh, Europe and the EU itself regarding the migration through uh, land bridges in the Mediterranean, you know that a, a conflagration of conflicts in Nigeria is really threatening. Do you know that last year in 2017, of all the countries uh, that were sending refugees across the Mediterranean, the country that sent the most was Nigeria. So it's already having a huge impact on Europe, and Europe being a really strong uh, set of allies for both trade and international relations are extremely important. Additionally, China is investing and paying a lot of attention to Nigeria, and for religious freedom issues, China is a huge concern, and we need the United States to be able to support um, human rights around the world, and that is a very strategic game, country by country. Nigeria is one of the most important countries in that regard. Well, it seems to me, as you've already mentioned, uh, Ambassador Brownback going sends its own signal of uh, a new level, let's say. These are my words, of course. New level of uh, uh, U.S. concern and involvement in a troubled region that perhaps we have neglected in the past uh, to our detriment as well as that of uh, Africa. That's exactly right. You know, Ambassador Brownback is going to be spending a full week in Nigeria, and that's a, that demonstrates a very significant commitment to working on these issues. Not all of the issues spin out of religion. Some of them actually fall along religious lines. Some of them take on religious components throughout the challenges that they have. But Ambassador Brownback has uh, experienced both as a governor in a state where there is where there is ranching and where there are cattle and where there is farming. And he also has experience being a legislator and working in the U.S. Uh, Congress. So we're very hopeful that his wealth of experience and the respect that Nigerians tend to have for American leadership will be able to support and empower them to pursue justice and rule of law for their people. We're grateful for his efforts. We're grateful for the staff at the State Department who have just done an incredible job supporting his efforts and supporting this trip. Um, I'm very confident that we are a new day uh, for U.S. engagement on Nigeria. Thank you, my friend. Good to talk with you. You also. Thank you. Nathan Weiniger, Director of Policy and Coalition's 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative. Website 21 Wilberforce, the number 21, Wilberforce.org. And has, as has been said more than once by different voices and, and uh, sources, as Nigeria goes over the next number of years, so will go the continent of Africa. Can't overstate its strategicness in all respects. Keep it in your prayers and in your thoughts. Bill Carl here with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. Thank you for joining us for just a few moments as we share more opportunities for you to save lives through Save the Children. When you call 888 888- 884-4836 and make your gift of $60. You save a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. You can also click the Save the Children link at letstalkfaith.com to make that gift. And what are we talking about, really? Well, Save the Children, around for over 100 years, has been working in East Africa among famine victims. And they provide, uh, it, 
it's kind of a funny name. They provide this ready-to-use therapeutic food called Plumpy Nut. It's peanut-based. It's kind of based on Nutella. And it really does bring kids back from the brink of death. Again, your $60 provides enough Plumpy Nut and medicine to save a child who's starving. And Scott, I know that you've been there in Ethiopia and seen the miracle of Plumpy Nut and seen the miracle of these kids. Take us inside that a little. It is to nutrition what penicillin was to medicine. And that's not just me. I mean, 60 Minutes talked about it as a miracle. And I don't know if you watch 60 Minutes very much, but they don't use the word miracle very often. Uh, It brings kids back, children back, babies back from the brink of uh, death. I mean, they're right on the doorstep. I mean, they they are the child you're thinking of right now. The child with uh, appears to be a skeleton uh, with skin draped over it. I mean, it, it really is stark to see. When you see a mom holding her twin boys that are three months old, and she says, I can no longer even nurse my kids. I don't have enough food for myself. And uh, mother's milk is the only way my kids uh, can survive. And they're suffering from severe acute malnutrition. Uh, today, we have a chance to, to be the safety net. We have a chance to be um, come together and do this thing uh, that really is ours to do. So, I mean, we, you've been fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever word you use, um, to be where you are, to live where you live. Not, not just to be born where you've been born, but to be born when you've been born. And we're so thankful to be in a position to be able to do good for others, not to have to rely on the government and other agencies to make this happen. Save the Children is a nonprofit that I know personally at our house, Missy and I give to every year, and we want to encourage you to as well. In fact, Save the Children works here in the United States of America. I spent a good chunk of time last fall in uh, rural Tennessee among Save the Children Uh, folks who have been blessed through this ministry, and I hope you'll step in right now. Again, your gift of $60 saves a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. We're counting down 105 kids to go. Would you call right now? 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. Or click the Save the Children banner at Let's Talk Faith.com. And I'll tell you this as well. We've had a generous donor step forward who over the next month has said, look, for every gift that your listeners make to save the children, I'll double it. So if you make that gift of $60, it becomes $120, so on and so forth. And maybe right now you'd say, Bill Scott, I'll do a leadership gift of $600. That would take care of 10 children saving their lives and with those matching dollars would add another 10 children to the list of those who've been impacted through Save the Children and through your kindness. So again, I would encourage you to go to the phone right now. Here's the number, 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. Or again, click the Save the Children banner at letstalkfaith.com. Together, we can save lives with Save the Children. 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. I'm Bill Carl, and today's guest host on The Bill Bunkley Show, Don Crow, returns in a moment. You know, if you're like me, you have a lot of apps on your phone you just don't use anymore. Why not delete one of them and make room for the Faith Talk app? It's free for your Apple or Android device, and it allows you to take Faith Talk 570, 910, and FM 102.1 with you wherever you go. Download the Faith Talk app today. The Don Crow Show on WAVA. Also delighted to be able to share the day with the Bill Bunkley Show audience on Faith Talk 570 AM, 910 AM, and 102.1 FM in Tampa, Florida. An honor to sit in the seat that's usually held by our good friend 
Bill Bunkley, my fellow colleague with Salem Media Group, and uh, I know a host that you've enjoyed down there in Tampa for many, many years. We wish him the very best. One president defies the Constitution but sounds presidential. The other follows that all-important document for governments, but <laughs> sounds like, as my guest puts it, a loud mouth from Queens. Uh, in his usual and, I say, considerable gift for lifting the English language to a true art form, my guest this hour wrote about the fact that, as he puts it, elites value mellifluous Ill- illegality over crass lawfulness. And he's kindly agreed to join us to elaborate on that very important distinction that we as Americans need to make between the former president and the current one. Dr. Victor Davis Hansen is the Martin and Illy Anderson Senior Fellow in Classics and Military History at the Hoover Institution, Stanford University. Author of a number of great books, one being The Second World Wars. A great read, folks, from Basic Books. And by the way, You can get it at basicbooks.com and at your bookstores and, of course, Amazon. Victor, my friend, always good to have you on the show. Welcome and take us into your recent column uh, on this man who, on the one hand, defies the Constitution but sounds very presidential versus, as you put it, the loudmouth from Queens. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, Barack Obama reminded us on various occasions that he was a constitutional law professor. He warned us that to grant executive order amnesty would be contrary to the Constitution, and he did it over 22 times. On 22 occasions, excuse me, he said he couldn't do it, and then he did it. Um, the IRS, under Lois Lerner, was essentially violating the charter of being disinterested. We had somebody in the Obama FBI put an informant, or maybe as many as three, in the Donald Trump campaign. Uh, Obama's just uh, Attorney General, Eric Holder, was the first Attorney General to be censored by Congress, and that was for the fast and furious abuse of gun walking, in which the Inspector General said 14 people were culpable. Um, he spied on the Associated Press reporters and James Rose and the Fox. We know somebody in the Obama National Security Agency was involved in unmasking names and then improperly probably leaking them to the media. We know that most of the Obama FBI hierarchy and DOJ have been compromised, and many of them signed off on FISA warrants without disclosing the the full circumstances of the evidence to grant that warrant, namely the Steele dossier. I could go on, but this was all in a landscape in which Barack Obama recently said there were no scandals. And I think we were conditioned to the idea that he was from Harvard, he was smooth, he was progressive, he was a civil libertarian. Whereas Trump talked about all sorts of things that he might do to people. But in fact, if you look at his uh, first two year and a half in office, he hasn't broken any laws, he hasn't surveilled anybody, he hasn't... um, redacted, uh, asked for names to be redacted or unmasked, and then leaked them to the press. We know that he didn't put uh, operatives or hire an opposition dossier to be circulated to government officials. We know that um, nobody from the Trump campaign was involved with foreign nationals to dig up dirt on Hillary Clinton. There were accusations of that, but we haven't seen any yet, no evidence. And 
So I guess what I'm saying is that so far, when a court or the Congress has overruled um, Trump, he's acted in a constitutional fashion. And yet he's considered uncouth and crude because of his vocabulary or his mannerisms or his accent. I think it's a reminder that we have a, a real weakness in the mass democracy of, of privilege and style over substance. How do you, Victor, uh, process the level of sustained hatred? Uh, this man's now going into uh, almost two years, uh, won't be long before he's two years into his office. The changes have been dramatic. They've been measurable. They've been positive. And yet this uh, deep abiding hatred, I'm thinking, for example, of the performance, if you want to call it that, of uh, uh, the actor Robert De Niro recently, uh, among many others, uh, who just seem to have no rationale for their hatred, uh, and it's so abiding and sustained. Where is that coming from, in your view? Well, well, the thing is, it's it's across class lines and professions among the elite. Remember, a sober and judicious David Frum, who had written a book calling for tolerance, recently said that Melania, who was recovering from a kidney operation, was not seen because it may be true that Trump had been guilty of spousal abuse and hit her and wanted to disguise her or her injuries in the White House in seclusion. So they all do it, whether it's Bill Maher hoping for a recession as the only way to discredit Trump. And I think it, it's two, there's two sources. One, of course, is he's undoing the Obama eight-year agenda systematically, whether it's the Paris Climate Accords or ANWR or Iran deal or it's, um, the economic agenda of 3% growth and low unemployment. And then two, there's a class disdain that Trump as our first president has had neither political or military experience, and he comes from a very tough, take-no-prisoners Manhattan real estate landscape. And so I think a lot of people looked at him and the establishment of the elite, the deep state, whatever we call it, and said, he doesn't look, he doesn't dress, um, like an establishment term. He's not a Bush. He's not a Clinton. He doesn't have the right credentials. So then when he does something very dramatic that you mentioned, uh, whether it's the economy or, or foreign policy, uh, it is quite dramatic. 3.8 unemployment is pretty uh, amazing in peacetime. Then people say, well, it was a fluke, or he doesn't know what he's doing, or Obama did it for him, or his advisors. But they're incapable of acknowledging that an outsider could come in and sort of turn over the cart and be successful, because to acknowledge that would be in some way a refutation of all the requisites that they value uh, that make one supposedly qualified for higher office. We'll take a break, Victor, and come back with more. Dr. Victor Hansen, and again, uh, talking about uh, the contrasts uh, between the previous Obama years and the current presidency of Donald Trump, and they're certainly very different styles, if you will, and more. Stay with us. Hey, this is Bill Carl, along with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. And right now, your gift of $60 provides enough ready-to-use therapeutic food, enough plumpy nut and medicine to save a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. 
We've been talking about this for several days now, and we just have a little bit of time left to meet the goal of saving 150 kids. The number is 888-884-4836. I was on the air not so long ago, actually in Seattle. Seattle is not known for being the bastion of uh, Christianity. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's like the uh, West Coast version of Boston. I mean, it's just it's just not uh, a place that the churches thrive. And yet there, I had a woman call and say, I want to do this for 100 kids, a $6,000 one-time gift. We do need a game changer, I must say. We want to be able to thank you by first name and by city. So whether you're going to do $60 or $600 or $6,000 or more or less, the good news is it's going to be matched dollar for dollar. And we're waiting for your call right now at 888-884-4836. Look, and that number is 888-884-4836. Let's talk faith.com. Uh, is the website you can go to and click the Save the Children banner. And right now, would you call 888-884-4836? Maybe there's somebody right now, you would make a leadership gift of um, of $600, and that would draw us so very closely. We're, we're, I'm telling you, we're, we're right there. Scott's over there kind of calculating everything. 13 more, 13 down to, 13 would be $780. 13 kids right now would be $780. And listen, I could sit here and break it down with an abacus into all type of monthly and bi-monthly gifts and ways to do it. However you choose to do it, need somebody to do it. I, you know, listen, if you just want to make that one-time gift of $60, we welcome that and we're blessed by that. But I really truly do believe Scott, that there's somebody that's been listening. They listened yesterday. They've listened today. God's been tapping at their heart and just kind of, you know, nudging them the whole time. And they, you just kind of get in that place. You're like, you know, later, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can make it happen. You can make it happen. I mean, you can. You know, really you can. There are families, they'll put a whole vacation on a credit card mm-hmm. and hope that by the end of the year they pay for mm-hmm. it. We live in just a stone's throw of Disney World, and I know, and I've met people. Where'd you come from? Mm-hmm. I came down from, you know, Dakota. We come here every year. And, you know, you know they put three, $4,000 in that credit card at the beginning of the year to book it, and then they kind of figured it out. And I just know that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I know there's somebody listening right now, you know you could make that gift, and you could either write the check and it'd be done or put it on your debit card, or you could just find a way to figure it out. You just figure it out. And I want you to, I just want to encourage you right now, God's been speaking to you. When you think of these children, when you think about what they're experiencing, when you think about how they're really at the door of death. When, when, you know, Scott told us last hour that one of the kids he met over there said, well, if I grow up, I'd like to be my grandfather. When you're living in a state where you don't assume that you're going to grow up, that's a bad place to be. But we can rescue. We can help save the children on the ground right now in very difficult places, providing Plumpy Nut, providing this therapeutic food for children really on the brink of death. Your $60 gift saves one of these children. So I need you to call right now. And don't worry about figuring it out till later. You'll figure it out. 888-884-4836. That's 888-884-4836. Or click the Save the Children banner at letstalkfaith.com. Bill Carl here, Don Crow. Today's host for the Bill Bunkley Show returns in a moment. In the meantime, this reminder, private Christian schools in the Tampa Bay area are already enrolling for next year. If you're considering enrolling your student for the very first time, first go to our website, christiantuitions.com. Half off your first year's tuition at the area's best Christian schools, christiantuitions.com.
Von Crow Show on WAVA, talking with uh, Dr. Victor Hansen, author of a number of great books, including The Second World Wars, available at basicbooks.com and at your usual sources as well. Talking about the contrast of style, but much more importantly, the uh, contrast in substance between the Obama years under President Barack Obama and the current President Donald Trump. And uh, there's a great column. It's longer than we have time to do justice to, but you can find his work at his website, victorhanson.com. And you've already touched, uh, Victor, on uh, the supposed scandal-free Obama administration. The list uh, takes would take more time than we have to even discuss it. You've mentioned a couple of them. But uh, you also uh, said we are slowly appreciating over the last year that lying under oath was an Obama administration requisite for a high position in the intelligence community. And uh, take us to what's been going on in the corruption of uh, and really the serious crippling, in my view, of the FBI. Yeah, by that, I wasn't trying to exaggerate. I mean, CIA Director John Brennan lied under oath that he had not monitored Senate staff computers in 2014. The CIA IG found that to be a false statement. He had to apologize. He also lied under oath when he said that the drone program did not incur collateral damage. Um, and it's, it's James Clapper, excuse me, said the same thing. He also uh, was not truthful when he said he didn't have, as did Clapper, that he didn't have much knowledge or prior knowledge of the Steele dossier until it became public, when we know that both of them had been part of an informal intelligence group that oversaw or was apprised about an informant uh, who was working on the Steele dossier, and more important, uh, Mr. Brennan had contacted Senator Harry Reid about the document. So, and then we get into James Comey, and we know that uh, he's admitted under oath that he had this strange behavior of calling on, off, and on, off, on, and on, off the uh, investigation of Hillary Clinton, partly because he thought that she was going to win and it would be a way of legitimizing her and exonerating her. And of course, Comey's testimony about Leaking cannot be reconciled with that of Andrew McCabe, who was fired on the IG's recommendation, given at least four times he he wasn't truthful to FBI investigators. And, of course, James Comey has been eloquent about not leaking classified or confidential government documents, but as a private citizen, no less, um, he took confidential memos that that he had written on a government computer and government time with a meeting with Donald Trump in which he said he was not under investigation, but never told him about the nature of the Steele dossier, which he knew about. And uh, then he leaked it to a friend for the express purpose of uh, publicizing it. So all of these characters, and they're not just characters, they're the heads of enormously powerful intelligence agencies, FBI, Director of National Intelligence, CIA, not only were unethical, but likely broke the law in a way that if you or I did or any of your listeners today, we'd probably be subject to a criminal investigation. Well, you also point out uh, in the column, uh, we live in such strange uh, times that the media ignored the most blatant examples of presidential campaign cycle collusion and memory while seeking to invent it where it never existed. Remember Barack Obama on a hot mic, not only getting caught, 
reiterating to a Russian leader the conditions of a Putin-Obama election cycle collusion, but also spelling out the exact quid pro quo. And now Mueller has been relentless in trying to claim there's a collusion between Trump and the Russians, along with others. And it seems to me that uh, Mueller probably is not going to let this go until after the midterm elections. Am I right? Yeah, I think it's no longer a legal matter. Now we're in the realm of politics, and he's trying to draw this out. And there's a 50-50 chance the Republicans could lose the House. If they do lose the House, then all the investigations that we have, that have uncovered so much will be shut down. And uh, uh, the problem ethically is, of course, that every time Mueller proceeds, he sets a standard of inequality under the law because he goes after Michael Flynn for supposedly making a false statement. But Comey never went after Cheryl uh, Mills or Huma Abedin, who we know lied under oath about their knowledge of the email server. And he talks about you can't uh, disclose confidential documents. We know that James Comey uh, himself did. If, if Robert Mueller was investigating James Comey or Hillary Clinton's email in the same manner as Donald Trump, and he would be leveraging Cheryl Mills, he would be uh, threatening Huma Abedin with life imprisonment as he is with Paul Manafort. He would be going after Rod Rosenstein for giving false information or withholding truthful information to a vice court. He'd probably be going after Samantha Power and threatening her uh, because she requested uh, names be redacted, and many of those names were leaked to a press. So he would be doing all of these things where there were real criminal exposures rather than uh, using these hardball tactics where he hasn't come up with anything other than a few minor officials, and none of whom have been charged with collusion, which was his mandate. Well, let's take one more break. When we come back, uh, among other things you address, why was the Obama administration so corrupt? And you say three reasons stand out. I'll ask you to touch those briefly Briefly, when we come back. Talking with Victor Hansen. Stay with us. I'm Bill Carl, along with Scott Wilder from Save the Children. Imagine a child so weakened from malnutrition, so near the brink of death with starvation, that they cannot cry out for their mother's milk. They cannot turn their head to receive food. They cannot even move, that their body literally is shutting down from hunger. That's really what's happening in so many parts of the world. And thank God for Save the Children stepping in, providing ready-to-use therapeutic food and medicines for these children. Uh, you can be a part of that right now. When you call 888-884-4836, your gift of $60 saves a child on the brink of death from severe acute malnutrition. Uh, Scott Wilder joins us from Save the Children. Scott, we've talked about the before. Tell us a little bit about the after, after these kids receive this life-giving treatment. Uh, the, the after is light, and it's life, and it's a plump child, a happy child, a healthy child, like every child should be. I mean, that, that is what your money does today. And I know it's easy for stuff to wash over us. There's stuff that happens here in the news, and it washes over me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to shake myself to sort of shake me to wake me again. And, and I don't want this to ever wash over us. We, we are really talking about life and death. We're talking about a child that before, as we talked about, the child is uh, almost skeletal remains, no light, no life in her eyes, uh, can't hold her head up from her mother's arms because her neck is so weak. Uh, as you said yesterday, rightly, uh, does not have the energy even to make noise, to cry. 
cry would be a step up mm-hmm. because it would mean energy. And so today, you know, the after, the plumping nut, uh, is, is a life changer. It is a life saver. And that's what you're doing today when you call the number. You're providing life to a child who otherwise, and we say child, it really is largely children of the age of two. Uh, you know, the, the first big hurdle in that part of the world is a healthy birth. Mm-hmm. And lots of babies die in childbirth. I remember being on the road with a guy who was an interpreter. He's an educated guy. He's been to college, been to university, uh, worked for the for the uh, consulate there and was an interpreter. And we was talking to him over at a dinner uh, about his life and his family. I said, tell me about how you grew up. And he was talking to me about it. And he said, my mother had eight kids. And so he, he goes on to talk. And I said, wow. I said, you grew up with eight kids in your family. He said, no, I grew up with four kids in my family. Three of them died in wow. childbirth. And one died of malnutrition before the age of two. Isn't it interesting the things that we assume? You know, we are so blessed here in the United States of America that for a family near us to lose a child, it is a tragedy that many of us cannot even comprehend. And yet it is the day in and day out for so many of these children in places like Ethiopia, which is still trying to recover from the effects of a historic drought that uh, caused so much devastation, so much starvation and so much pain. Your gift right now of $60 to save the children provides ready-to-use therapeutic food, plumping nut, for one of these children, literally bringing them back from the brink of death due to severe acute malnutrition. So far, we've saved 45 kids. We have 105 more we'd like to speak to. And right now, every dollar you give is doubled through the generous matching gift of a donor who said, I'll step up, I'll match these gifts. So this really is the time to call. 888-884-4836. That's 888 888- 884-4836. You can also help by clicking the Save the Children banner at Let's Talk Faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.